it's always a popular show to have Rick Schiller from Schiller Sewing Circle on the air because a lot of people like to sew things with machines. And boy, does he have machines, including how technology has changed. Rick, good morning. Thank you for joining me for this morning. 72nd anniversary of Schiller's. Tell me about the history of the family business. Well, it's, good morning to you and everybody that's listening. Um, yeah, my dad got started, believe it or not, in New York City. Originally, his uh, brother-in-law had a small little sewing shop, and they started that in New York City. Didn't succeed. But my father grew up in uh, Franklin, on a farm in Franklin. And his brother, after World War II, had moved back. A lot of folks had come back to the area and opened on North Windham Road a shop that was called Sugar's Mart. And he did floor care stuff and carpet and tiles and things of that sort. And when my brothers were born, he said um, he was getting out of New York City, out of the Bronx, and moving back to the moving to the country, essentially, and came out here and originally opened up as a little set-in in his brother's, you know, floor care thing, and started off with sewing machines because he sort of knew something about that. So originally, he was for about five, six years. He was on North Windham Road in Schiller's Mart, and then I guess probably. Just about 1960, somewhere in that neck of the woods, he moved over to Church Street and had actually two different spots on Church Street. And if you, I'm sure you remember the St. Valentine's Day fire. Right across the street from us here. A little bit of whatever. And he outgrew that and moved over from there to 857 Main. And we, by the way, we've handled sewing machines and vacuums. Uh, certainly when we got onto Church Street, he added vacuum cleaners in. So we've handled vacuum cleaners as well as the sewing machines, but moved over to 857 Main, which is where I think the H&R Block is. It was Week and a Smile was there, and now H&R Block. And then in June of 1977, moved over to where we are now at 1088 Main Street. And that's, as some people may know, is the oldest commercial building on Main Street. And depending upon which thing you go by, was built in 1827. And we definitely occasionally get to know that it was a fairly old building. But we've been there and growing and modernizing and doing whatever since uh, 1977. Great history. Now, you said that you had two brothers, Howard, Douglas, and you. Somehow... Rick, you got the sewing DNA because you run the stuff now. How come the other guys didn't get involved in that, or did they? They never really did. Uh, I can officially, in the story of how I got involved in this, back originally, you know, I would walk from Natchog School to my father's store when he was on Church Street, and I would be babysat there. That's when kids were allowed to walk on their own down to there, and I'd be uh, babysat down in the store uh, and told not to touch anything. Um, and and you know, we did that for a few years. I remember at least on um, being in the store even when I was 13 uh, and, quote, helping in the store. Uh, the real chuckle comes in at 16. Uh, I happen to have met this young lady who lived in Vernon, and I, being 16 years old, would run up a lovely phone bill. And my parents went, we're not going to pay for this phone bill. You're after school. You're coming down to work in the store. 
The chuckle is whether, and I don't really know, I remember hitting a dollar an hour, and I think that was a raise. So I think I started. Now, at that point, i got to say, I can that, that young lady never got cheaper because I've been married to her now come August for 48 years. So, you know, it's, it's sort of her fault that I got into this thing. But so I worked every day or for a number of days after school down in the store and went off to college at Worcester Polytech, graduated as an engineering. And when we got married in 75, I was the Saturday crew with my dad. So I worked every Saturday from 1975 till now uh, in the store and, you know, Went off, got other engineering degrees, and worked for United Technologies for a decade. But in '93, my dad was had some health issues, and I'd been working, you know, literally consistently for at that point, obviously, you know, 20 years or whatever else. Um, and at that time, when Bill Clinton was elected, I think the first major legislation he signed was the Family Leave Act. And to the best of my knowledge, I was the first male with all of United Technologies to take the Family Leave Act to go run a family business. And came in in October of 93, uh, left United Technologies to come in, and then six months later they did a golden handshake to anybody who wanted it, and you know, shall we say that, that everything else is history. So, Rick, 72 years now for Schiller Sewing Circle. Do you have special things to talk about, special things going on at Schiller's to celebrate that? Well, we, last month we did a almost a, almost a month long, you know, we did a big 72 anniversary sale and whatever else. So that was actually, I guess, from the beginning of the month till middle of the month. That part's a little bit over. I like to think we always, because we run all the classes, because we run so many different things that way, um, and, you know, getting on the radio and going, my goodness, you know, getting to talk to personalities and uh, famous people like yourself and mentioning it, whatever else. But Well, in the years you've been there, what's the most significant change you've seen? Is it computerization? On the sewing side, probably. Um there's also been a change just in who sews. Uh, obviously, a lot of folks will still sew to make things for personal, you know, not as much garment. Sewing probably transitioned, particularly as it got into the computerized, it could do so much more from an, a necessity to a hobby, to something that people just love to do. So that, you know, but you still can buy a sewing machine that could be $100. You can buy some that are $15,000. And people, you know, say, oh, my goodness, that person must be professional when they're doing it. Almost all of those folks that do that are doing it purely for fun. Uh, and that's why, you know, when we do our classes, the classes are really there not to teach you how to necessarily make a blouse. It's more, you know, we've been doing all these ones lately with rope bowl, embroidered rope bowls and things of that sort, and God knows we can't seem to keep that class. We've been having to keep, keep adding on class after class. But it's how to do things for fun. Rick, why are you still in business when so many vacuum and sewing stores are long gone? I like to think, to some degree, I know this may sound, you know, I don't know, self-grandy, whatever, 
it's who and what we are because we've really focused on our customers and what they need for so long. I mean, the big complaint you'll hear about, whether it be a department store or certainly the Internet, whatever else, is how impersonal they are. You can go in. There's no one that's going to help you. You know, what we do, we try to do as well as we can. And it's not just having the merchandise there. It's not just handing you a box. It's, you know, handing you us. It's whether it's my staff that's there to help everybody. Uh, it really is finding the product, whether it be a sewing machine or a vacuum cleaner, that's the right one. It's not just these are the things that I want to sell. We're not just pushing the big computerized machines. As I said, I have roughly 60 different models of sewing machines and almost 100 different models of vacuum cleaners in the store. So it's, you know, what machine is right for that customer's needs for their budget, for what they want it to do. And then, again, they get, on the sewing machines, they get lessons free for life on the instruction of the machine. We have, you know, the free service that comes along with certainly most of our electronic machines get anywhere from three to five years of free, you know, cleaning and maintenance. Uh, it's just being personal, being concerned for the customer. You know, they are, great many of them are very much friends, you know, and they consider us to be their friends. So that's what people really look for. And when it comes to service, Rick, is that all done in-house? You don't ship it out, do you? No, nothing gets shipped out. Uh, we are definitely where people come, and they come from pretty far away. I mean, I have people that travel down from upstate New York to bring us uh, their machines. I have one couple that's up in Lake Placid, and they come down excuse me, a couple times a year, whatever else, they have a big embroidery machine. But, yeah, you got to figure, you mentioned Captain Bolio, his son Eric has worked for me for 25 years, so he is probably one of, okay, Eric, if you're here listening, don't get your head too big, he's probably one of the best sewing machine technicians around, period. Uh, the VAC side, John's been working for me for a half dozen years. Captain Bolio used to work for me doing sewing vacuum cleaners, but John's been working me now for, I think, six years. But, yeah, everything's done in-house. We really do keep everything we need to do pretty much any kind of service on any sewing machine uh, or vacuum cleaner. Uh, we try pretty hard to be able to go and you know do whatever is necessary. Yeah, we talked earlier this morning about the 1968 Valentine's Day fire here right across the street from where I'm sitting right now. Schiller's was in that complex as well. Off air, I mentioned to Rick about how I've had Al Bolio on talking about what it was like to fight on that extremely cold morning, what the challenges were for that. That's why uh, Captain Bolio's name came up, and I did not know that the daughter uh, was working there for you there at Schiller's Sewing Circle. Rick, my mom had a sewing machine, one of the old-fashioned. They might have been a singer. I don't know what it was. And, you know, she would fix stuff. She would make stuff like a lot of people did back in that era. How surprised would she be to see sewing machines of the 21st century in 2022 of all the things they can do that mom would not be able to do back then? Uh, I suspect people would be rather amazed, but sewing machines have almost always throughout their history been considered the high-tech thing that people brought into our house. Uh, you know, we started doing electronic sewing machines in the late 70s. So, you know, it's just, yes, what a, what a 
high, high end, you know, what the top of the line does, is pretty amazing. I mean, they're going to sit there with the ability to do, sewing, you know, regular sewing of any kind you can think of, embroidery, which is obviously very much adapted into the computerized world, but now, you know, the top end have camera systems that take pictures of what is down below it. They can project down their embroidery designs. They, you know, have a, a screen that's the size of a, you know, iPad that's sitting on there for them to, you know, get whatever information, do whatever they need to do. But surprisingly, up, as they go up, they get easier and easier to operate, not more technical. People go, oh, I could never operate that. These particularly, I mean, we work a lot with Brother and Baby Lock sewing machines on their top end. These machines are made to be sewing for you know, people that don't know what to do, they will guide, the machine will guide you to do whatever it needs to do. Uh, that's what makes them, you know, as good as they are. Does this computer technology that's available now, and it's not hot off the press new, some of the stuff we've talked about here in the studio, and you've shown me these machines 10, 15 or so years ago, but with this computer technology, can you make things now? You couldn't make a generation or two ago, or could it be done back then, just maybe easier now because of computers? Um, I mean, from a sewing machine, from a sewing point of view, I think, you may be able to embellish them a little bit more from the embroidery side of things. Yeah, that's very much different. Uh, that was an area that was just not available to the average uh, owner of something that did it. It just, you know, there were machines out there that were commercially could do it, but certainly could not be done on the, you know, personal side of things. So it really becomes whatever you can envision which is why when it comes, as we say, to our classes, we're trying, trying to constantly give you know, people ways to explore what things that they never knew they could do. Rick, I think there's a stereotype, maybe not necessarily accurate, that sewing machines are women's domain. But do you get guys coming in and buying sewing machines and using sewing machines and taking your sewing classes, or is this predominantly women? I, well... It still is probably predominantly from a gender point of view female, where you see the guys coming in, and yes, between quilting, and there are definitely a large number of men that are that quilt or do whatever things of that sort, uh, in the creation of embroidery uh, designs, the digitizing, maybe that has more of a, a guy thing to it. We definitely get a lot of men that are involved in that, but no, it's not... By any means, absolute. Is there a predominance towards women? Maybe, uh, but not by any uh, you know thing about it per se. Uh, it just—I think you're right. It's probably historically where things have been, but we definitely have uh, a fair contingent of men that are involved in this. You touched on vacuum cleaners earlier. Or not all sewing machines with shillers this morning. Have vacuum cleaners done the same thing with computer technology, kind of changing how the game is played? Uh, thankfully, there's not computerization per se. They've tried to make them, I think the big things that you'll see on the vacuums is to make them maybe less uh, onerous to operate, things of that sort. They certainly are designed to filter dramatically better uh, vacuum cleaners 
have always had a bad rap of, you know, you'd, you'd vacuum and sometimes the room smelled worse or looked dirtier from the fine dust. And that many of these companies, the Mila's, the Sibos, the European ones, and whatever else, have filtration that are putting out air cleaner than probably what's in the normal air in the room. Uh, so that's been a big thing in trying to make them so they, they last. But, you know, there's a awful lot of different vacuum cleaners made more of the mass market. I try to keep some of the ones that are not necessarily ones you're going to find, you know, at the local uh, department store. But, again, it's what's appropriate for your needs. Uh, that's probably where we, you know, why people want to come to us, because not every vacuum cleaner is designed to be used for every, in every household. You know, if you have all rugs, you're going to use one type. If you've got half rugs, half bare floors, you're going to use another. Uh, lots and lots of houses nowadays have minimal uh, rugs. Uh, hardwood floors, ceramics, whatever, have become important, and they take a very different style of cleaner, and knowing which one is appropriate and what budget range they want to be. I don't know the brand name of this, but I've seen them in operation. Do you sell those little flat things that you plug into the wall, they're on the floor, and then they're computerized, and they on their own they run around the floor and clean it up, and then they go back and dock themselves again? I have to admit, that's like entertainment as well as functional. I don't do as much with the robotic ones. We did uh, work with, they started 15-plus years ago. As a matter of fact, the one that I think I carried 15 years ago was maybe one of the more intelligent ones, but it was quite expensive. You, so long as you're getting it for the right reason, you know, a robotic vacuum cleaner is not a deep cleaning vacuum cleaner. It's more of a surface level. If you have a household that has open floor plan with a lot of bare floors, they can do a very nice and effective job of going around and keeping a majority of that surface clean. Um, it's not necessarily, again, it's a style of vacuum cleaner that we deal with, but it's not the dominant one that I deal with. I'll admit, I, I saw it at a house which had a toddler in it, and I think just the ability to keep that hardwood floor clean so the kid doesn't pick up stuff and put it in the mouth is probably a good idea. Rick, you've talked this morning about classes, and I want you to expand upon that. What kind of classes you have? I'm looking on your website here, schillersontheweb.com. I see tomorrow, my other machine. What's my other machine? Well, that was actually, it is a, we have a type of cutting device called a scan and cut that Brother makes. And the, my other machine is actually an image of an old Singer uh, 221 little featherweight sewing machine. And they're actually coming in to learn how to use that particular uh, cutting device in creating uh, what amounts to a wall hanging that is going to be with this other, you know, this other machine, but it's the name of the pattern is actually my other sewing machine, which was a, a classic, you know, blackhead, singer, little light featherweight sewing machine. But we try to come up with ones always changing uh, that are letting them explore the other things they can do. Some of it may be quilting, some may be embroidery, some is straight sewing, some is using the overlock machine called Sergers, and we're going through all the different styles and just constantly coming up with different classes, which puts uh, a good challenge to my uh, education staff 
I think we could also finish the program by saying this isn't just for grandma. You've actually got classes for kids. And coming up on July 26th, 27th, and 28th, you have kids sewing camp. So you're teaching the kids how to sew, and I'm sure you make it fun with the camp. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is for youngsters. And are we here we do have, I know, at least one young gentleman that's coming in, boys, girls. We're averaging from, let's say, 8 to 13. But they're coming in for those four days of doing five different projects. We provide everything for them. And this is where we get them so that they enjoy sewing. They can do, you know, sewing is not just people say, oh, it's going to be a good trade. You can learn so much through sewing about, you know, everything from math to, you know, color to whatever. But, yeah, it's get them so they enjoy it. If they enjoy it, then they'll do it forever. And it's, you know, sometimes you having mom or whatever may not, they may not want to listen to mom as much as they listen to one of my educators and whatever else and let them learn how to have fun doing it. Hey, Rick, here's a question out of the blue. I don't know where this is going to go, but do you have people that come in that either have with them or they have at home thread for their sewing or sewing machines that was made at the American Thread Company in Willimantic? We do, but at that point in time, I'm going to recommend that they hold on to it as a lovely memento, but not use it anymore for sewing. Thread does age after about five years. The sewing, the, the strength of the thread really does diminish, and it starts to give off a lot more fibers and will break too easily. So one of the things that, again, we try to teach people, it's not just, you know, how do they, you know, operate their machine, but what do they do so that they're successful is, yes, use good thread needles. People think, oh, it, I use it till it breaks. A needle's good for maybe 10 hours of sewing time before the tip of the needle or the eye of the needle starts to change, and it'll affect their, what, how well things work. And, Rick, I know it's been a tough time economically for many businesses around here and around the nation as well, but somehow, through 72 years, Schiller Sewing Circle has managed to keep its head above water, and you're, you're one of the last remaining retail businesses from the old days here on Main Street, and that's got to be a sense of pride for you. It is. It, it really is. I mean, I think a lot of this, and you know, obviously, as you know, my father started it, maintaining the his legacy and whatever else and keeping it going uh and we'll keep going for quite some time i mean my even if i at some point down the road you know i'm no spring chicken anymore either you know cut back a little bit of hours whatever my staff will they're all uh very good we'll keep the store going i hope to be there to see our 100th anniversary you know i'm not sure if i'll still be around but i'll hobble in and you know, say you know, happy 100th, whatever else, but, you know. That would be swell. The 72nd anniversary going on now at Schiller's Sewing Circle at 1088 Main Street, Willimantic, 423-6800 on the web at schillersontheweb.com. And, by the way, if you're into this kind of stuff, which many people are, uh, go to that website and scroll down the left margin. Read our ebook. Need a reason to shop Schiller's? The book is 101 Reasons to Shop Schiller's. Try saying that five times fast. I think you'll enjoy what you see there on the website. Rick, good to know you over these years, and congratulations on 72, and good luck on 100. Thank you very much, and I look forward, and you keep going, too. 
I'll try. Rick Schiller from Schiller's Sewing Circle on 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.